The Askell Business Brunch. Hello and welcome to the Business Brunch podcast. My name's Hayley Dunn and I'm Askell's Business Leadership Specialist. And I'm Louise Hartswell and I'm Askell's Conditions of Employment Specialist. And I'm Julia Harden and I'm Askell's Funding Specialist. And we're going to pick up this episode of the Business Brunch podcast by having a reflection and talking about next steps from the conversation we had during the Business Brunch live episode in June, where we talked to Pete Stopford from the Funding Policy Unit at the Department for Education. And Pete's leading on the SBP strategy, the School Business Professional Strategy for the department. And we had a really interesting conversation about the strands that make up the, uh, the strategy, which is skills, status and supply, and shared some thinking and some next steps and some of the challenges. And um, we've been having ongoing conversations with Pete because I think it's a really, really important time and a fantastic opportunity for us to be feeding in some thoughts and ideas. So uh, we've had some further meetings and uh, I've got another one this week where we're going to be meeting with Pete and a representative from the ASCOL EDI network to talk specifically about inclusivity and diversity and Louise you didn't join us for the uh, the last episode but uh, I know that uh, you're really interested in this and have uh, have have had some conversations Um, so could we have a little bit of reflection of of where you are with this yeah um, I was really sorry I couldn't join you for the last podcast uh, which I've listened to and I think was fascinating I think Pete's uh, you know is really really engaging and we met with Pete again following the meeting it was really nice to meet him um, and in that meeting, we shared the um, pain condition survey results that we did carried out uh, with our members earlier this year, which we know we've filtered down by school business leaders and does give us some quite stark um, results on and some concerns about people that are considering leaving the profession uh, and some of those recruitment and retention issues. And it's really good to be able to share that information, uh, you know, with somebody who's looking directly at that information for school business professionals. Um, and I think, um, you know, looking, one of the things that we raise with him, it's one of the things that we see a lot is, is to do with the language that's used. And I think this upsets people a lot, um, you know, probably disproportionately to other things. It's that fact that the senior leadership teams are often referred to, and there's no assumption that there's a business leader on there. You know, it's it's seen as though that's just referring to teaching staff. And actually, you know, our view is it's, it's all school lead, the senior leadership team. And the school business leader is a, an integral part of that. And some of the language that's used when things are referred to often as teachers rather than education staff or support staff, you know, and just not using non-teachers, for for example, you know, with no other profession where you would describe somebody by what somebody does by something that they can't actually do. You know, you don't call uh, nurses non-doctors and things like that. So it's just th- things like that that actually do, you know, when, you, when you've spent 20 years in the profession, that you see things like that and it's actually quite frustrating. It is a profession of its own, in its own right you know with a, a number of qualifications to to match now so it's just all those things that are really integral to it and it's just lots of little strands that um that make that up um and we've put a lot of work together now to take the uh, task and finish group that we're going to be looking at um school pe- school business leaders pay and conditions and recognition and all the things that link into that and we're taking that to askel's um conditions of employment uh, committee um, and some of the things that we've we've put in there are to do with um, inclusivity, equality and diversity. Um, and I think it's really exciting that we've had so many school business leaders that have actually volunteered to, to work with us on that. Um, you know, we're really looking forward to getting in touch with those very soon and getting that group set up. But one of the really key things that we want to be um, 
sort of like running through those, all the elements that we're looking at is the EDI um, agenda, because we want to make sure that that's fundamentally part of all the issues that we're discussing. So we're going to be looking at uh, recruitment, retention, professional development, recognition, pay conditions. But actually, the EDI is running through all of those so we're actually going to start with that and we've had some really exciting meetings where we've been uh, discussing that with some of our partners that some partnership organizations that we might be working with and i think it's just really important about getting those messages through and it has to come from everywhere and that's one of the points we made to to pete in the meeting if that can come from the department centrally as well you know people the more people that start using those common phrases and and speaking about school business leaders and school business professionals in the same way actually that does a lot more to raise the profile and raise the status of the profession so um i think to make sure that we've got uh, the, all the um you know we've seen some of the issues to do with uh, the diversity of uh, the profession and um this through the surveys that isbl have done and we think if we can just include as much of that th- to be running through every element and every strand that we're looking at you know, it has huge impact on recruitment and retention and things like that. And to make sure that we've we've included those um, areas and we've got tools for members to look at as individuals to help to raise their own profile and have their own voice, but also for members as leaders, senior leaders within schools, you know, that they've got that power within their hands to have an influence on the recruitment that takes place and that how their um, schools and their teams are, are all uh, inclusive and diverse as well. So it's kind of like a, you know, double um, benefit really for the, the view that we're looking at. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how that works out, you know, and, and taking that to our Conditions and Employment Committee. Oh, I completely agree, Louise. And, and I really love this idea that equality and diversity and inclusion becomes a thread that runs through everything rather than it being something that seems like a bolt-on or a tick box exercise that it's just a fundamental part of the principles of thinking and and it was really useful for us to be able to challenge back to the department as well that if we're going to be able to show that there's diversity and inclusivity having access to data as well, because one of the big challenges around the workforce data information is that we haven't got a really rich source of information in terms of what the makeup of of the the school uh, staff looks like, uh, because it's very, very narrow in terms of the indicators that you can select for the workforce census. And so we're reliant on these external surveys, which in in some ways are representative, but they're quite small representative. So perhaps a survey of 500 or 1,000 people isn't representing over 20,000 schools across the country because it it can't possibly. So I think that was, it was a really great for us to be able to challenge the department on that and also to uh, hopefully influence their thinking in a positive way. And I'm, I'm hoping that we will keep having these constructive conversations. I feel particularly that um, Pete is listening and he's very much in listening mode. And I think it's been really useful for us to have these ongoing conversations. And I'm really, really grateful to the business leaders that have got in touch with us to either put themselves forward for the, the working group that we're going to be leading on from September or to get in touch and to give us some reflections on their thinking to help inform our views that we're feeding into the SBP strategy as well. And we want to keep those views coming as well because that feedback's really, really important to make sure that we are representing the members that we we serve on a day-to-day basis. 
So just moving on to talk about some of the work that we're doing um, internally within ASCO to raise the profile of business leaders. And one of the perfect examples of that is we had the new Head Teachers Conference last week, which is a fantastic event that we run annually for head teachers who are either new enrolled or are going to be new enrolled very soon. And it's a fantastic opportunity to talk to them about all the elements that are going to make up their role, but also to talk to them about what they can expect within funding and how they can work effectively with their business leaders. And I thought I'd share a little bit of my thinking of, of when I'm doing my workshop, of the things that I get them to think about, because I think there's some really, really core elements that will really build a positive functional relationship. So the first for me absolutely has to be understanding the role of the school business leader or the school business professional to completely understand um, what is required and how that's going to be done. I think building trust is absolutely fundamental to any sort of relationship, whether it's a leadership peer-to-peer um, -peer type of relationship or whether it's um, a manager and the person you're line managing, those having relationships built on trust for me is just absolutely fundamental. And if that isn't there for me, it's never going to work properly. And then the third is the strategic planning to deliver the vision because the business leader is absolutely fundamental in that in those discussions. And, and I share some of my reflections of having been a business leader and in sitting in uh, wider leadership team meetings, talking about curriculum delivery, talking about curriculum planning, talking about resource planning and just how useful that was in order for me to be able to do my job effectively, whether it was then influencing our recruitment, whether it was influencing our, um, our budget plan or our budget forecasting, those conversations were really, really useful in informing what I was doing on a day-to-day -day basis. And then as well, fundamentally, it's talking to them about how if you pay your business leader appropriately, that's going to make such a difference because we know that if people are remunerated appropriately for the role and that you recruit to a scale that's appropriate, it's really going to make a difference to the, the quality of um, business leadership and the quality of the candidates that you're likely to um, attract. Because if you can uh, pay within an equitable position, you're going to get somebody that can deliver and have impact across the whole of your school or all of your trust. I know, Julia, you also did a session. It'd be really lovely to hear about how your session went and the sort of things uh, that you've been talking to new head teachers about. Thanks, Hayley. Um, yes, I, I was also lucky enough to be involved in this conference. First time that I'd been involved in it, actually. Um, and I did a session uh, with colleagues uh, which we called Managing a Budget um, and very much um, building on what you were, you've already said about your session, really. I introduced it by, by saying, you know, managing a budget is a team sport um, and it's understanding who you need to be referring to to contribute uh, which bits key bits of information to managing your budget and that as a as a, a financial leader the role of the head is to make the decisions uh, that meet the needs of the pupils and students in your school and, and in the, the wider community but in a way that makes sure that those decisions um, are aligned with available revenues. So that's where the, you know, the, the, the funding comes into it, absolutely crucial. So having an appropriately skilled finance, uh, finance uh, manager, school business manager, CFO, whatever the role is in your school, depending on the type of school or institution, having an appropriately skilled member of the team that you can 
you know, rely on to be providing you with um, accurate financial information in a way that, um, you know, informs your decision making is is absolutely key. So we had some really good discussions around that. Um, And, and, you know, it's we often say it's it's about context isn't it and and it's absolutely about context um and from a the the financial leadership perspective it's understanding the rules around managing public money and understanding that the imperative is to set a balanced budget but having the conversations with colleagues that are new to headship in the same way that you and I Haley would have those conversations with our business leader professional colleagues is really um a great opportunity i think um and and certainly the the way that the conversation went we we started to talk about things um in terms of okay so you know let's think about some financial leadership hacks because we didn't have a long time to have this conversation so some financial leadership hacks key things that you absolutely need to be thinking about all the time and we talked about things like you know um making sure that the budget cycle is reflected in the meeting schedule across the year um, makes things so much easier and really enables your the, the governance structure to fulfil their responsibility. Um, but an easy fit, actually, um, as, as a financial leader. Making sure that you understand that every line of expenditure needs to either have a direct impact on teaching and learning or keep keep you on the right side of the law. You know, and business leaders are very familiar with this sort of uh, this this sort of conversation. But I think sometimes it's really useful for for our, our new head colleagues to hear it in the same in the same way. Um, we talked about the importance of keeping. Um, finance leads and curriculum leads talking to each other and understanding a little bit about the different responsibilities um, and expectations in their respective roles but that ultimately everybody's here for for the same purpose and that's to deliver great education to to the students and, and pupils in our school and because clearly the theme of strategic financial planning was running through all of these conversations you know, I think my final lo- uh, leadership hack with regard to finance was about keeping the end in view so if when i talk about uh, strategic financial leadership we always say start with the end in view but keeping the end in view is absolutely key if you're going to keep this financial planning um, um, a fluid activity and a, a dynamic piece of work that's always going to be ready um, to react to what's coming down the track next and i think at the moment um it's always really important but because of uh, you know we're coming out of of the pandemic situation and it's it's so important uh for financial leaders whatever their specific role to be looking at okay t- deciding how far off course we may have been kicked by the the pandemic in financial terms um, and and available resources and how are we going to move that forward so it's not about going back to where we were it's about how we're going to move this forward and I think that they're absolutely crucial conversations and if you're a new head coming into post perhaps in September you're going to be walking into a a situation that you're not already familiar with so having a few key um, key themes and key say financial leadership hacks we called them um in mind i'm hoping that was useful and hopefully they will talk to their business leaders um, about those together with the the excellent um list of um conversations that you've you've already mentioned Haley. i really like that phrase that dynamic thinking phrase that you were talking about there julia because i think 
It is, isn't it? It's having that vision, but it's also having that um, being able to relax, re react, to be agile um, to uh, what may come along, because there's always the, the unexpected and, and having your budget plan as something that can can adapt, I think, is is just so useful. And part of my session, um, I've got what I call my top 10 questions for business leaders. And it's nothing scary. I'm not putting horrible questions into the minds of new head teachers to <laughs> to catch out their business leader. It's all around coaching questions about what does this look like? What does that look like? What do you need? What would you help you here? Coaching style questions that will just help to start the relationship off in the right way by um, exploring what some of the fundamental issues are, what some of the fundamental concerns are, but also what things are working really well and uh, what can we build on what, and what background information. Because, you know, if you've ever walked into a new job that one of the first things that you've got to do is to get to know people and to get mm. to know um, a little bit about the background of people because you might come across somebody who's really, really difficult or they seem like they're really difficult, but actually if you get underneath it, there might be something quite devastating that's happened to them recently and actually what you're seeing isn't what this person's normally like. So understanding the context of your families, your staff, how things work, just really helps and I think particularly just like a new business leader coming into post a new head teacher is going to have so much to get their head around that helping to make that conversation as fruitful as possible and to start the relationship off um, in the right way I, I hope we've sent those head teachers off in in the right direction to to, to build their knowledge and their skill is there, is there anything you'd bring in there Louise any sort of experiences that that you've had or um, advice that you'd give for new head teachers yeah, I, th I think, you know, you, you've hit the nail on the head there, Hayley. Even as a business leader coming into uh, to the role uh, new, there's so much to learn. But as a head, it, you think it's just astronomical, isn't it? And if you think of how complex finance is, that that's just one small proportion of what they they need to learn. And it's probably the most different to anything that they've ever had to do before within their careers. Um, and I've worked in schools where um, we've we've had the deputy or assistant head, depending if it's primary or secondary, uh, shadowing the budget setting process. So we've actually, when the head and I have sat together and we've gone through the budget, we've actually had a deputy sat there shadowing so that they can see you know the, where the fund, different funding streams come from things like that things that you've got to do the, the importance of your pupil premium your free school meal numbers and things like that and um you know just simple things like when we've got student transfers that used to happen uh they quite often would often would happen on the census day which is not you know not great for you to be having somebody leaving on that day and things like that just making them aware of all those sort of things that the implications of uh decisions that can be made that they don't realize that there can be a financial implication for that but also that you know i mean some of the the size of some of the budgets that you've got that for things that they probably didn't even realize that then you know that is is there like the gas and electric and things like that are just purely you know thousands and thousands of pounds one of the biggest uh, resources but probably not aware of things like that and getting them to understand the things that you've absolutely got to do every year uh, you know, and that there's no way you can not do those and anything that you're actually tied into and that importance of following those procedures, um, you know, that making sure people have actually gone through the proper financial procedures before they've bought a subscription to something and make sure it's not going to be something that auto renews and ties you into the future. So, 
you know, I think that that was a really useful exercise that the deputy or the assistant shadowing, and you know, and they'd be like at the end of it, like, wow, I had no idea that you know all that was involved. But I think that's really good because it is so, just must just be so much that you've got to learn. Uh, but I think that you know, making sure that finance is covered there, I think that's a really, really key one because that's probably the one that the heads will be least familiar with. Uh, you know, a new head would be least familiar with out of all the other, uh, the areas of school leadership. I think one of the other things that that I was trying to encourage delegates, um, which I've been doing at a few um, sessions that I've that I've talked in recently, is in it's it's, it's not within any sort of behaviour um, framework that you see. But saying that it's okay to be a little bit vulnerable and it's okay to say that you don't know everything. Um, I, mean, I quite talk quite openly about when I became a new uh, business manager in a school that procurement was definitely not an area of strength for me. And I've definitely been on a journey to understand more about procurement processes, about what it involves from writing a tender to analysing those tenders, to working with governors, to, to looking at contracts and clauses. And there's just so much to it. But but I'm I'm really OK. I'm really comfortable to say I wasn't amazing at that when I first started. I've worked really hard to learn more about it. I'm still not going to say I'm a complete expert on procurement, but I'm OK with saying that I'm not okay, that I'm not fantastic at stuff and I don't know everything. Because I think sometimes I feel like and this is probably leadership within all areas. I feel like you have to put on like you're a bit of a superhero and that you can do everything and that you know everything and you've got all the answers and I just don't feel that that's what real life is like I just having been a school leader there's challenges every day and you come across things that that you that you don't know and that's why we go to conferences and that's why we we read guidance papers and and we access professional development is just to keep building on that every every day so I just wanted to get across to those new heads that it's that it's okay. Yes, people are going to be looking to you for the answers and they're going to be looking to you for strong leadership. But it's okay if you don't know everything right now and particularly when it comes to the business elements, it's okay if you're leaning on your business leader to support you with that. That's what they're there for and that is what they will be fantastic at. Completely agree. I think it's it's that team element, isn't it? You don't you don't have to know how to do, and in fact, it's probably not good practice to know how to do every member of that team's jobs to that uh, level. You know, you 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 have those specialists and those people. You empower them to do their jobs, and actually, that's that's part of a, having a strong team, isn't it? That you've got everybody in those roles knows how to do their jobs. They are experts in their area, and it's the team that comes together then. Uh, you know, and and that's how you, you you learn from each other. But it's you. It's the responsibility that sits with you. You don't have to know how to do the job, and you don't now have to, to have to do all of it. But you know who to ask when you need to know that, and you've got the experts there on your team. I couldn't agree with you more. And I say I, I, we we talked about managing a budget as a team sport. That's how how we introduced it. And and uh, within that, an awful lot of that really is about messaging and uh, the culture of the organisation, isn't it? And accepting that and understanding that you need a team of people and the range of knowledge and experience that they will bring in order to provide the information so that you've got the best possible, uh, the best possible database or, or you know, level of, of uh, input uh, to make the, the best informed choices that, that you can. And if you, if you feel confident in that, then you know you you're able to do the scenario plan and have confidence that you've had to make some assumptions this is why we've assumed this we've used you know we've had input from everyone across the team 
across all areas of responsibility um, and you you'll know that you've used the best information available to you at the time and nobody can do more than that absolutely i completely agree and that's how you become a good leader isn't it it's about what you do with that information the questions that you ask the decisions that you make on a day-to-day -day basis so yeah i really hope we've set those new head teachers off in, in the right direction and if you're one of those business managers um who's going to be working with them we met they, they were fantastic the people that we we met so um, i'm wishing them all the very best for september as they take on those new roles in these these very difficult and, and changing times and I mean, one of the things for us is that we've been doing these um, events virtually um, and now we're starting to think about doing face-to-face uh, -face and hybrid events where obviously we're really looking forward to the autumn conference uh, that ASCO will be doing in the autumn term but Julia you were actually out last week at an event uh, which I would imagine was an absolutely fantastic experience there's nothing better than being in a room full of school business leaders what was that like for you? Thanks, Hayley. Yes, um, it was fantastic. Um, uh, and, and, you know, hats off to the organisers of that event because um, it, it, everyone uh, felt extremely safe. Um, uh, and yet it did really did have the feel of um, a networking event where, where people could share ideas. I, I have to be honest and say that I... I I was very mindful about sort of limiting my exuberance personally about being there and actually being in the same room because the group of people that were sitting listening to what I'd got to say, of course, have been doing the hard yards for the last 18 months. They've been, you know, they, they've been going into school as I've been sat at home quite, you know, working from home. So I was mindful of that. So I hope I got that right. Um, but it, it was it was fabulous. Um, and what was lovely was that quite quickly you know I was reminded of why these sort of events and you know because I think going forward that there we will have a, a blend won't we I think of probably more online um, meeting times and, and, and probably some um, uh, training and conference type stuff and I think that that's going to be sensible because we've got to use what we've learned but as I say I was I was quickly reminded of, of the value um, of being in the same room and, and the connection um, by a uh, a business leader that was very new to very new to role less than a month um in fact there are a couple of colleagues in that, in that situation um who was asking extremely relevant questions um considering they'd been in the job less than a month i don't think i would have been able to do that with such um was so well articulated at that time um about um, specific elements of, of funding and I'm sort of responding from a, a national conversation type point of view um, and almost immediately another colleague in the room um, joined that conversation um, and was able to fill in some of the local knowledge which would be much more beneficial to the, 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 the new colleague where they might find that information and then because of that we then moved naturally because I've been talking about funding as you might expect we moved naturally to talking about well, what are the absolute crucial things what what must I learn before you know anything else and and somebody said you are you involved in the census are you filling the school census in and, and the colleagues said yes they, they thought they were um, and then we had a, a really useful discussion about well that's that is probably the cru crucial crucial uh, piece of um, work that you need to be involved in and if it's not you you need to know who is and because that's going to drive your funding so um, absolutely invaluable really enjoyed it um, I say hats off to the the the, um, the organizers um, and 
um, we I'm looking forward to, to getting back to uh, to doing more of that um, and you know I think it's really important that, that colleagues can connect again with each other um, but nevertheless we've learned a lot about what we can do online and 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 different ways of communicating um, suits different people don't they so whereas you know we've had some excellent networking meetings business leaders networking meetings where people have been really keen to contribute some people prefer to you know have that conversation in a in a conference setting so we need to to try and make sure that everyone has a, an opportunity i think that's the most important thing uh, i completely agree um, julia and i hope that we will have sort of be able to keep offering a sort of my a more diverse sort of um mm offering in a way because I, I, I think I've met different people through some of the networking and some of the online CPD that we've done this year we've we've I think we've connected with people that perhaps wouldn't have come to a live event to for, for a number of reasons perhaps couldn't travel or the cost would prohibit them from attending but also like you I'm really looking forward to being in a room full of business leaders talking to them live again because there's that that connection, I, I, I the first couple of times that I went to to live events, I think I sat in the back and didn't talk to anybody, just completely overwhelmed by the the magnitude of being at a large conference and so many people um, being together. But what was so wonderful was when I actually was a little bit brave and started talking to people, and then my network just grew and grew. But those conversations, just like you say, that connection, particularly when you're you're new, you forget when you're a certain way through your career, how fundamental some of those things are. And if there are business leaders who are starting, particularly if they're starting new in September, census is coming up mm -hmm. um, in October, how fundamental that is, because that's going to set the tone for the, for the forthcoming budget and the funding that's going to, to be coming in. So getting some of those basics right, I think is, is really useful as a, as a business leader. What do you need to focus on when you start in role? And then what do you learn along, along the way? Because there's, there's just so much to know, isn't there? There's so much scope. So I think it's really helpful to have those conversations if you, if you can get out to live events and have those. And I think doing that regionally as well is really helpful as well as going to national because you have different conversations, I find. If you go to a regional group, you'll probably find somebody who's the set in the same local authority and will understand on quite a, um, a detailed level what's happening in your local area. And likewise, you can have some fantastic conversations when you go to a national event because you'll hear how things are different in a different area. Yes. Uh, did you agree from, from your experience yeah. of being out at events? Yes, definitely. You, you need both perspectives, don't you? You need to... Under, and I, I can remember learning this um, probably the hard way from when I first started working in education all those 20 odd years ago that you you know it's, it's a steep learning curve to start with and you you so you focus very much on, on what you need to know to, to do your job um and then I think you, you can you can certainly get you know you can get so far down the track and think that you understand that and think that 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 is all transferable and most definitely a huge amount of the information is transferable but working then in a different local authority area or you know a, now perhaps in a different academy trust for example it's it's understanding that that you know don't be frightened by the fact that there will be some different approaches and there will be slightly different processes but the the fundamentals of looking after public money will always be the same and the importance of context will always be the same and the importance of organisational culture will always be the same. But you need that agility, is that word again, uh, to understand how things might look slightly different 
um, in, in different areas or different organisations. That's just such a good point, Julie. I was just thinking as you were talking then about moving from a local authority into a school and then moving from a school into a trust in a different local authority. And actually, I think I found the the challenge of moving from the from a different into a different local authority more challenging because I didn't have the network. Whereas when I came from the local authority, I knew the HR team and the finance team and those connections on the operational level. So when I then moved into a different area, I had to be re rebuild all those networks because it was different people and I didn't have those connections. And you don't realise actually that just thinking back now how fundamental that was in into how um, how reactive and receptive you can be to things once you've got that network, once yes. you find the right person that you need to talk to about something makes such a difference um, and I think that's a really great piece of advice for somebody who might be starting out or is new in role is, is to build up that that network as as quickly as you can and that's why having your connection with other business leaders locally will really help I think to expedite that because mm. that they're, they're likely to know who the person is is to go to so I do think that that local and that national perspective and then I think as well, once you're there, is building on international as well. I really enjoy looking at some of the practice um, through um, ASBO, the, the American Association, um, in, in places like um, South Africa and different where there's different practices that all of these different elements really start to develop your thinking as you develop your career journey and develop your practice. I, I couldn't agree. Couldn't agree more. So next we're going to move on to have a little bit of a more light-hearted discussion about what business leaders uh, do in the holiday and because for, for a lot of people out there they'll be thinking about they're on the countdown to the end of term and they'll be thinking about that they're just going to be uh, they're going to be revising their teaching plans their curriculum plans for the for the future whereas for a number of our business leaders particularly if they're involved with site and operations they're about to gear up for the summer holidays with all the plans. I remember times of building new classrooms, building market gardens, um, having wind turbines and PV panels fitted on roofs and things. All of those things happen um, in the school holidays. And then every year I'd have a proper declutter. Um, I'd clean out my office, sort all the files out. Um, time to buy new stationery as well. What business leader doesn't love some, some new stationery? Uh, and it's, I think it's quite an interesting time in a school, isn't it? Because uh, all the children and the majority of, of staff aren't in school, but actually it becomes a real hub of, um, of actions when you're bringing in all the people that are going to be doing all the refresh work over the summer or bringing new teachers in um, who, are gonna, who want to get into their classroom to, to make it nice, ready for September. And I think I was just wanted to get business leaders to perhaps think about what are some of the habits that they've fallen into over the last uh, 12 months and just when you're having your sort of refresh and um, you're looking at your your plans just think about are there any sort of habits that you've fallen into that that you think actually I want to do things differently in September and and I think that's really important as we reflect on some things have worked really well I'm, I'm hoping that some business leaders have had opportunity to work from home and to, to remote working and to upgrade ICT um, and just to think about some of those things that you want to take forward into the, the next academic year. And Louise, Julia, what would you like to uh, to talk about? I'm sure you've got some interesting stories from, from your times of working in schools. 
Yeah, um, I think one of the things um, I used to do in because I went for three schools, so um, quite often I'd quite often I'd building projects going on at all three uh, in all three schools at the same time, which was quite a challenge and interesting at times. Uh, so used to quite um, block out a couple of days to go travelling between the schools to see how the projects were going, but would quite often take advantage and work from home during those periods because I'm sure we've all uh, you know you've got builders in school there's noise there's pain you know there are areas that you can't go to particularly working in some of the older buildings uh, that were class buildings you've got asbestos removal going on so you've got the whole areas cordoned off so um actually found it quite uh more productive to actually go to work from home at those times so you know that the power's not going to go off all of a sudden or anything like that but um you could guarantee there, there wouldn't be a you know a week would go by without a phone call like there's a burst water pipe somewhere and you've got to to organize things and probably would be the week that the caretaker was on holiday and you've got to go and sort things like that out so i i think um i would just say don't plan too much <laughs> because the unexpected is much more likely to happen in the holidays <laughs> than it does in term time. I think that's excellent advice, Louise, and I wish I wish you'd been there to give me that advice a few years ago. <laughs> so I used to spend the majority of the school year building a completely unachievable list of what I called holiday jobs um, that I was going to to get done, completely forgetting that you know there's a good chance that when you're working in school over uh, particularly the the summer closure period you you could quite often be the 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 most senior person that was in school if not the only person that was in school so um when anything uh, unusual did happen um aside from your building projects and all the rest of it you know you you were the one that that, that had to sort of step up to the plate um and of course, that's always very interesting. And I can't say I didn't enjoy it, but, um, you know, I wasn't kind enough to myself to acknowledge that that might happen. And that therefore I was never going to achieve all these these other things that I'd got um, got on my list. Um, I think I think one of the um, most amusing because it all turned out OK. So on reflection, it was amusing was was getting a phone call from one of the leaders of a, a summer school that we'd got running. And it was an externally run summer school. They were on school premises um, saying that um, a glider had just landed on the <laughs> oh sports field. Um, and, uh, you know, they no one was hurt. There was absolutely no issues there. Of course, you know, the first thing you think is, oh, my goodness, what could have happened? But nothing did. So that was all right. And and how are we going to what are we going to do now? And, and it, it was, um, yeah, it was unusual. I learned a lot because I didn't realise that gliders flat pack virtually and they put the um, the, the gentleman that was that was uh, in the glider who also wasn't injured at all, uh, phoned his partner to come and collect him. And they packed up the glider and put it in something which, I, to me at the time, it looked like a travel cot bag. Um, so that was interesting. So I probably should have been doing it that time. Probably it was on a list to, I don't know, you know, be, be looking at the accounts pack for the end of the financial year or something like that. Instead of which, um, I was negotiating vehicles onto the sports field to uh, to remove this glider. So, yeah, so anything can happen and probably will. So be kind to yourself about what is achievable um, and stick where at all possible to the hours that you are expect that are you you are contracted to do over the summer because of course we know that a lot of people aren't contracted to work over the summer but it, but often end up being there anyway so Oh, I can't even endorse that enough, Julia. And I think after the last 18 months that we've all had with knowing 
that there's there's exam results to come there's ats sites for those that with secondary age pupils to deal with come september never more do business leaders need to be taking a nice chunk of holiday and getting some some proper downtime to really help them because I feel that it's quite an uncertain time. I think we, we talked about some of this at the Business Leaders Conference that I feel it's a bit of an uncertain time coming down the line with um, some of the information around policy decisions around academisation, around mergers. And uh, I think business leaders need to be prepared for, for what might come along. And we know that they're fantastically agile and that, that they adapt to what needs to happen. But we all need rest. And we know that there are some business leaders that it really takes its toll. Um, our member support colleagues are fantastic. And if you're one of those business leaders who's, who is having a difficult time, just remember that they're there over the holiday as well. So if you do need somebody to, to talk to, do get in touch with, with our um, ASCOL member hotline team and they'll be there to, to support because we know it's not, it's not easy for, for a lot of people. Um, so yeah, so uh, we'd also really love to hear some of your, we're going to steal Jeff's idea. So we love <laughs> Jeff's frontline funnies on a Friday. So we would love to do an episode in August for you. And we'd love to include some of your anecdotes, um, anonymized, of course, we won't be naming names and naming schools. But if you do have any really interesting stories of things that have either happened in past holidays or something that happens to you this holiday, we would love to hear from you. So if you do have anything that you'd like us uh, to read out then you can email us at tellus at askalt.org.uk and if you put business brunch in the title and we'll make sure that we uh, we check out uh, the inbox for any of those because we'd absolutely love to hear from you and and actually we'd love to just in we love talking about some of the policy stuff and keeping you updated but we'd love to include something that's a little bit more light-hearted for the holidays as well so thank you so much for joining us again for this episode of the business brunch podcast and we'll be back soon mm-hmm. The Askell Business Brunch.